Hi guys. Okay. Now, before we get into the first episode, I just wanted to give you the inside scoop on Harmony's War Cry. She will be no more. So my format and my passion for helping you navigate your world will all still stay the same, but my brand, my logo, and even the name will change. Now, I just want to let you know over the remaining weeks of 2019, you're going to notice some differences. I've started interviewing people and I'm teaching myself through that. So sound quality might not be up to par with what I want. Questioning formats are going to change and it's a learn as I go situation. So be patient, tune in, and I can't wait for you guys to see what I have coming January, 2020 for the new podcast. Have a good day. Hi guys, welcome to Harmony's War Cry, where twice a month we talk about what sparks you. We talk about sex, love, career, your passions, style, and everything in between. Now my goal here is to help you find your inner adventurer and help you live vividly. So let's chase that spark. Hi guys, it's Harmony. This is Harmony's War Cry, episode number 72, and I'm here with Kamala. And we are going to get into what awesomeness she is and what uh, she brings the world as far as the changes she's made in her life. So welcome, Kamala. Hey, Harmony. Thank How you are so you? much. You're welcome. Oh. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So we're going to do what I call, and the people who've listened to my podcast before know, it's a, what I call a high-five interview and it's just the basics of the who, what, when, where, and how, and it keeps everything organized, and um, I tend to ramble, so it keeps me policed, which is good. Um, so who are you, and where are you? All righty. Um, I'm Kamala Eames, and I am a sobriety coach. I Let's see, I got my training in January of 2017 through the Martha Beck Institute, and Honestly, it was, by the way, it was, it was such an awesome training. If I decided even not to be a life coach, the training in itself was like mind blowing. Wow. <laughs> um, I live in, I live in New Orleans. I've lived here for 25 years. I moved from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I'm a single mom to an awesome 13 year old girl. Oh, so, um, I just recently started blogging, which I completely love. I put out a new blog post every week. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So you've got a lot I could uh, pick your brain about. I hate to say that. Phoebe, my life coach, I have told you about in the past. She hates that term. She's made me look at that term so differently now because she's like, so rude when somebody asks, can I pick your brain? <laughs> so I'm trying to. I've, I've never looked at it as rude, but now that I've heard her explain herself on it, I'm like, oh, maybe it is rude. <laughs> I think she's speaking more in terms of people wanting free information because she's I such a wealth of knowledge, so I get where she's coming from. Um, yeah. so, God, you have so much, uh, there's so much I want to ask you. So you mentioned that you're sobriety, you're in sobriety and you're sobriety, you learned about your life coaching from Martha Beck. Now, what does sobriety coaching involve? Well, gosh, so... What I do with my clients, um, first we're gonna we identify why we drink. Um, if you don't know why you're drinking, it's gonna be really hard to stop. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about urges. 
um, what are urges and how to overcome them. Also, we discuss our core values, um, which mean like, who do you want to be? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Oh, I love that. And um, I mean, those things were really instrumental in helping me become sober when I realized, um, for instance, that, I mean, it's not necessarily the alcohol, but it was my thoughts about the alcohol that made me want to drink. Mm -hmm. How so? Um, well, first off, I think that we've just been conditioned from early on in society to think that alcohol, we need alcohol for everything, to have fun, to have sex, mm -hmm. to make friends. I mean, to be in social situations. And honestly, it's just not true. Yeah. I mean, we have all of that inside ourselves. And so that's what I try to do with my clients is to get them to recognize that no, if, if alcohol is a problem in your life, that you, I mean, you, you don't need it. You can survive on your own. Yeah. So when they come to you, I don't, I don't, I know that you're new to this sobriety. I don't know how long, do you mind me asking how long you've been sober? Um, so the big turning point for me was about three months into my life coach training. I had like a huge shift. Oh, wow. um, so was, you were still drinking while you, when you started your life coach program. Correct. Wow. So the shift, so we, um, we had a meet and greet in Pismo Beach, California. Love. So I went there and met all the people in my cohort and Martha Beck was there. And it was like, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And I remember I went out to dinner. I think it was like the second night there and I ordered a glass of wine and I couldn't finish it. I was like, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be this type of person. Also, for me, it's really important to be in integrity um, with myself and with my clients. I felt like I'm not going to be a, how can I be a life coach if I'm drinking a bottle of wine every yeah, night? You have to walk the walk. That's what I said. I mean, I got, that's my thing. You got to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And, or as we say, we say, live it to give it. Oh, I love that. Yes, yeah. you do because people aren't, they, people can sense bullshit. People can sense when you're just like car salesmen and, yeah. you know, you're trying to sell something and you're not doing it. It's amazing. Oh, absolutely. So the yeah, sobriety for me, I, for if anybody new who's listening right now, that's never listened to any of my podcasts before, um, first of all, go back and listen to those. But secondly, I, yes, I was a binge drinker. I had a very unhealthy uh, relationship with alcohol. And I, you know, can say that most of the time I drank, I, it would be fun and nothing negative would happen as far as directly negative, like showing my ass or, you know, driving drunk or something like that. Um, but I always felt like shit the next day. I always felt no matter how, and this is the other thing that I became real with myself because I'm not sober, but I do, I might drink. I don't know, once or twice a month. Uh, but even when I did do everything right, when I was drinking a lot, I still 
felt bad the next day. So even if I planned an Uber and I didn't have to work the next day, so I didn't have to put myself in a position where I had to call out of something, everything was still fine, air quotes. I still felt like shit. I still felt like that didn't need to go that way. Like I could have just had a couple drinks, come home. I w didn't have to like pour myself into the door from an Uber. Oh yeah. I mean, I can completely relate. Like I could never have just one drink. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like 10. Um, also, I want to touch on the fact that sobriety is different with everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's not about what other people think sobriety is or what society says sobriety is. I mean, I guess I'm like you because I occasionally, if I plan it in my head, um, like let's say I'm going to a wedding and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have one glass of champagne. Mm -hmm. But honestly, most of the time, I don't even feel like drinking one drink. It's yeah. like I have no desire yeah. anymore because that one drink it's going to make me sleepy. I already feel good, you know? Mm -hmm. So what's the, um, why would I want to have that one drink? It's just going to like bring me down. So. And I think that if somebody's not felt what it feels like to feel whole and to have done the work, the internal work to feel whole, I don't think when, when you try to speak sobriety to somebody and how awesome it feels to be sober and that you don't need to drink and all that stuff, it's hard to get them to re realize what that feels like, to just organically, without struggle, just not want to drink. Just because you've, you've tuned in to the things that bother you. For me, it was daddy issues. For me, it was, um, you know, my foundation was broken when I was young. My mom moved me from Los Angeles to the East Coast. And I was used to having this big family and this big network of people to just now it was me and her and she was dating some loser. And it just was catastrophic to me at five years old. And yeah. so I, you know, had a lot of baggage I had to deal with, but I didn't, I really as smart as I've always been in my whole adult life for the most part and like in tune and saw things that I shouldn't have seen from a very young age. I still, it didn't occur to me to not point the finger at other people for my shit. Or it, it just, it never occurred to me, okay, don't be a victim. Why don't you point the finger at yourself and start handling your shit, you know? And then it, from there, oh, yeah. once I started doing that, it just became, it became easier. Yeah, here's the irony. It, my life became easier the harder that I worked for myself. So fitness, schooling, you know, through education, what I learned there, reading books about how to not be a fucked up girl with daddy issues, like all of that stuff. It just made me, it's like I was walking down the road, throwing shit out of my bag. Like, okay. And then by the time I got to the end of it, I felt like a million bucks. I didn't need to drink. I don't need to drink. It's not, it's not even in me anymore. It's just organic. It's not even a struggle. Oh, I agree. That's the same with me. I don't even, I don't think about drinking. I don't think about not drinking. <laughs> it just does. I mean, I have like bottles of wine still in my house that people gave me <laughs> a long time ago. I see them every day. Do I want to drink them? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you I know mean, what I started doing and it really helped me um, 
and I don't know what point this clicked in my head, who knows, because I like a mainline podcasts and books and, you know, I love education. I love, I truly believe in knowledge is power and I don't care. I'm one of those girls, like if I ever got dumped and I ever had a guy treating me like shit because I was a loser. So that happened often. I would be one that would be on the internet. Like, why would a guy do so and so? Like, I just, it was the only thing that soothed my broken heart was to find information and to find out why this could potentially be happening and how to not let so it you're, happen. So you're a fact finder. I'm a fact finder, big time. I am, we did like a personality test and I'm like a fact finder through and through. I love doing research on things. Yeah, because then you know, like you, you feel like you're not alone in the world and that's part of this podcast for me is let just if one person out there hears me talking about something and they can have a like a light bulb moment and go oh i'm not alone this person that i see on insta stories all day long that looks like she's living her best life has been in a really dark place in her life before and has and it's possible to get out of this place that's my whole goal with this whole thing is to let people hear stories and now that i'm interviewing people to hear their stories too and go oh okay not only can I not be in a dark place like this, but they, these people are giving me some tools and tips on how to get out of it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the best way to do it is to be an example for other people and not, you know, not necessarily be like, Hey, you know, um, <laughs> you should do this. You should do that. But when people see, I mean, my friends now that see me, um, and how I live my life and how I'm happy and I work out four days a week. And they're just like, oh, wow. They're like, you inspire me. And I'm like, thanks. That's awesome. You know, I'm You've got better friends than me because all of mine have pretty much just, well, not all, but I would say several of them can't even handle it. Oh, really? You probably comfortable with them. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you usually when people make a big positive change, it other people reflect <laughs> on themselves and it makes them feel bad. Yeah. I know, and it sucks. And I've tried to deal with it from a place of love. And I just got to the point where you know a lot of these, a couple of these women I've known for many years, and I got to the point where I was like. I don't mean this mean, it's just, there's no other way to say it, but direct. I just don't give a shit. And yeah. I, I, I just, it's not that I don't care for the loss of friendship. It's just, if I've got to beg somebody or try to explain to somebody, okay, you can still be my friend, even though I don't sit on, you know, in the backyard and smoke a pack of cigarettes and drink a bunch and whine about my shitty love life. We can still be friends. Right. Um, I, do, I shouldn't have to do that. I feel like people should support and applaud what it is that I'm trying to do without me having to like ask them to. So I just kind of said, you know what? I've got all these things I'm trying to do. I really don't have the energy to put into that. So I'm just not gonna. Oh yeah. Do you do your life the way you, on your terms and the hell with it if, <laughs> if people don't approve. I mean, yeah, I mean, because I've been that helper person for so many people for so long and I wasn't doing it for myself. And so I think what's happened is it's brought me a different tribe, so to speak, of women. Like if I wouldn't have done what I've done, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it brings me the people that are now, 
I don't mean to sound this, like, I don't want this to sound condescending, but just a different level of person, like right. a different thought process. You're in a different place in your life. Oh yeah. And that turns me on a lot. <laughs> like the things that work, like, whereas I used to get excited about, Ooh, I can't wait to get off work on Friday. I'm going to get some mini bottles of Jim Beam and a pack of parliament lights and turn on some music. It's going to be awesome. I get excitement now about that, about interviewing somebody or going on a run in the afternoon or whatever. It's just completely shifted. Oh yeah. The same here. I mean, I used to look forward to like drink, drinking my bottle of wine <laughs> like every day around five. Yeah. I know. And it's so awesome when you, and that's what I try to preach to people. Like if I can change doing that, like literally many five days a week at least because the other two were for recovery you know insert those two recovery days wherever you want within the week but right. I wasn't accomplishing anything like I I just was going through the motions I was going to work I was coming home I was getting drunk I was going to bed I was getting up and doing it all over again the next day and and it kind of I, I don't know if this happened with you but it there was moments where it was worse than others so there might be moments throughout your life where you were exercising and you were doing normal, normal stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but then you'd go through periods where you would not do any of that stuff because something may have happened in your life that. Yeah. Cope with booze. So oh, yeah. my, my main question to you is like your, uh, the way you're doing sobriety. I love that you brought that up because sobriety doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. It can be different for everybody. And right. So, for me, um, and I may have gone off on a tangent because I love talking to you so much, um, that I started predicting very quickly like a mini movie in my head. Like if I thought, ooh, I'm going to have a drink today, I would immediately, within two minutes, run through a whole set of scenarios of what would happen if I had a drink, as opposed to just coming home and taking a bath and watching some TV. Um, I knew I was going to overdrink, more than likely. I was going to um, eat really shitty at midnight after I got my buzz that I was satisfied with or got drunk enough. And then I was going to lay down and then I was going to wake up the next day feeling like shit, be behind all day in my sleep. Oh, I would, yeah, I would have to plan out not only the day that I was going to drink, but the next day when I was completely useless yes. <laughs> and not be able, like, I'd be like, okay, so tomorrow when I'm hungover, is that a good day to be hungover? <laughs> what do I have to do? <laughs> yeah, and then I don't know if this ever happened to you, but did you ever get anxiety when you were hungover? Oh yeah, oh completely, like kind of like shaky anxiety. I mean, it's just this. <laughs> I mean, it's like this nonstop cycle. So you're like, oh wow, I have anxiety. It looks like I'm going to need a drink. <laughs> So it's like this cycle that just, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy because you feel like at the time that you really can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like we just have this, I mean, I feel like most of the time we, all of us, we just think one way. We don't know there's other options. There's other ways to think. There's other ways to live. There's other ways to drink. Well, <laughs> we I this is something that I really want to teach people and I haven't, I'm, you know, I'm putting together a program for January. It's a brain and body program. So it's going to be a combination life coaching and fitness coaching for, and I really want to gear my like avatar, the person that I'm looking for to work with towards women 
that are stifled and women that maybe have never felt what it feels like to feel empowered by even a 30 minute walk or have yeah. never asked them the question, who am I? Uh, you know, there's, especially in this area that I'm in, there's a lot of women that are just went from home to being wives and mothers. And now they work some job that they're probably miserable at and they cater their whole day to taking care of their husband or their partner and their kids and the, this, that, and the other thing. And there's just no time left for them. So they don't know what a win feels like. They don't know what it feels like to go. When I go run in the afternoon, it's my, it's heaven on earth to me when I'm sweating and I'm running and I'm listening to my eighties music. It's just like such a piece that I can't even explain it to people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's your time. That's the time because seriously, women, our roles <laughs> in society are to take care of others. Mm -hmm. I mean, and once you realize that you truly, I know it sounds cliche, but I mean, you have to take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. I mean, and once you start taking care of yourself first, then everything else falls into place, I feel like. I agree. It's not such a struggle. Um, everything just kind of flows. So, and it's not selfish. Mm -mm. No, everyone, it's not selfish. Well, self, selfish, this is the other thing I have, I want to put in the program is selfishness has a negative connotation in our society. Yeah. And I really want to change that. Yeah. I love people know that it's like the airplane oxygen thing. If you've got a child with you and they say, take the oxygen first, you're of no good use to your kid if you don't have oxygen. And so I, I guess I'm trying to teach women that, that uh, I get that you want to help everybody, but at the end of the day, what are you left with? Resentment. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that is the worst to carry around. Like being, yeah. So many women do. So I wanted to ask you like, how did you, how, first of all, how often did you drink in the beginning when, before you got to a point where you were like a very minimal drinker? Um, you mean throughout my life, pretty much? Like how much was I drinking? Yeah. Okay. So, so when I, okay, so I moved to New Orleans in 1994 and lived in the French Quarter for about 10 years. Oh, and as you know, New Orleans is a huge party city. Mm -hmm. It's 27. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I would, and there's always things going on. So, I mean, I would walk into a bar at night and walk out in the day. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was at least five days a week. Um, I had, then when I had Ava in 2006, I kind of slowed down a little bit, although I would then, it would switch off. I would do day drinking with other moms. I mean, alcohol is, I mean, it's everywhere in society, but it's really everywhere in New Orleans. I mean, yeah. it's like any excuse to drink. Um, I mean, the city, like, is all about drinking, food, and music. Yeah. Um, 
So then that just kind of switched to like, oh yeah, let's have some wine and watch our kids play. <laughs> <laughs> That's very popular in our society right now. It really is. Um, I mean, they're, women and moms are completely being targeted right now. I mean, this is the first time in history that women's drinking is catching up to men's. Mm -hmm. So that is like, that has some huge ramifications like for women's like physical health, mental health. I mean, everything. Yeah, there's a whole, me and my uh, girlfriend were talking about it the other day is they're taking it, they, just like anything, take it too far. And so yeah. the Me Too movement and, you know, the body positivity situation, like, I get all that. I've been a curvy woman my whole life. Truth be told, I've been miserable in my body most of my life, even though visually somebody could look at me and go, what's, you, you look great. What's wrong with you? I felt miserable. I wasn't healthy. I just didn't feel, I always had parts of my body there. I felt like I was tugging at my shirt and, you know, just conscious roles yeah so to speak and so i'm sure a lot of that was brought on by society but i really wasn't i just didn't feel good i felt like i was carrying around a lot of extra weight that didn't wasn't natural to my body and so yeah. once i started working out and you know have been pretty much since i got from vacation in april intent like intense workouts like running five miles every day um, I've never seen my body look like this in my life. Even when I was working out in my twenties, my body still, um, didn't change this way. And it's because I'm being consistent and I don't care what anybody says about the me too movement and body positivity. And I'm sure I'm going to piss somebody off when I say this, if we were all being really honest, we all want to feel svelte. We all want to feel flowy and light and you know i'm sorry when i'm not eating good and i'm not taking care of myself and i've got a you know a big tire around my waist i never felt good and i'm right. not i'm not y'all but don't do you think that we so my weight obviously has fluctuated um from being really low to i think the heaviest i was like 175 i'm 155 now so i was 175 when i was drinking yeah and like Stopped drinking, I like lost 20 pounds. Um, so I feel like there's a certain weight, obviously, that my body just naturally gravitates towards. Yeah. Like, you know, and I feel like it's like 150, 155. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I think I'm 163 right now, and I probably in high school was 150, maybe 145, yeah. yes. Um and it's, and it's not about numbers and it's not about all of that stuff. But I mean, really, if you're making good changes, your body, like you said, is going to go back to its, its natural state. And I just don't feel like 250 pounds is a natural state for anybody. That's not how our bodies was designed. Bodies were designed. I do get curves and I get all of that, but I feel like the point in saying all this is I feel like with the drinking and the me too movement and all this stuff, it's a way of our society allowing us to be decadent more than we should. I feel like it's bullshit and nobody's talking about it because they want the wine and they want the cake. So let them eat cake, let them have the wine um, and let them be curvy. And I'm not saying curvy is not beautiful. It very much is. Um, 
but I feel like the message it's sending, the positive point they were trying to make and being okay with your appearance, which is awesome, has taken a turn for the worst and saying, drink all the booze, eat all the food, your curves, they're natural. No, they're not. They're not. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, if they're, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Being self-indulgent and, yeah. Because it doesn't. I mean, they can say, and I, I seriously believe this, like people are probably getting on and they're, they're buying into it just like anybody else is and they're making a dime off of this whole thing. So now all these women that are like influencers on Instagram who are super curvy and have, you know, 50,000 followers, they're sending that message that, you know, they're posting pictures of them eating and drinking and, and not exercising and not, it's just a whole different, um, thought pattern surrounding it's okay to be this way and maybe it is I don't know who the hell you know I'm not God I'm not in control of what's okay but I do know that for a long time I bought into that it's okay to be curvy and on the inside I was miserable right I was just buying into it and supporting it because I didn't want to do the work right yeah so I just really, I guess I just want to send a positive but real message to women through this podcast and through what it is I'm trying to do that, yes, you can be curvy. No, if you have side fat, like I, like everybody with boobs has, it's normal. It's healthy. You know, it's beautiful. Um, any body type is beautiful. But just be true to what's going on inside of you. Don't buy in what's going on in society. What is, how do you really feel? Who cares what Tom, Dick, and Harry over there feel? What do you feel? Right. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's really hard to get people to admit what they actually feel. Well, people don't know what they feel because we've been force-fed <laughs> how to feel our whole lives. Right. Nobody, I mean, you have to peel away. I mean, I had to peel away layers and I'm still feeling away layers. <laughs> I mean, that's why I want you to listen to Phoebe because her whole concept of the unbecoming is not becoming something. It's, it's about unbecoming all of the things that the world says we need to be. Oh yeah. I'm going to listen. To her. That's kind of, um, Martha Beck's philosophy as well. Yeah. It's so true. And it's, that's why it's just inspiring to listen to her because you are, you're shaking off all of what society says you're supposed to be, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> yeah. Doing the work. So how you, I mean, I know you'd said earlier, we'd already kind of covered the org organically not wanting to drink and you not finishing that glass of wine at the Martha Beck meetup in California. Um, do you find that that now that it's been a period of time since then, you said you don't think about drinking and you don't think about not drinking. So it's pretty much just na a natural thing for you since you've done your work, right? Right. So alcohol right now to me is really just a neutral substance. I don't think good of it. I don't think bad of it. It's just neutral. It's just there. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it wasn't until I realized that what I was making alcohol be what, to me, that, that was the problem, you know? Oh, I had a bad day, I need a drink. I had a good day, I need a drink. Um, so it's not actually alcohol itself, it's what I thought of alcohol and how I thought it was helping me. Yeah. It's interesting, you're in food and beverage, you see it, I see it, I bartend. It's, 
it's heartbreaking sometimes that's to see how people drink and I never would have noticed it before. I mean, don't you notice it so much now? I do. I do. It's like, wow. Oh yeah. The men coming up to the bar and saying, oh yeah, can you give me a, a, another drink, but can you put it in a different cup? I'm trying to hide from my wife or it's, it's more people than it's not. And just yeah. seeing people over drink and, um, and then they're crying at the end of the night over on the side of the pasture at the barn. And it's, it's, it, you know, they come in looking beautiful, can hair and makeup, these $25,000 weddings. And at the end, somebody's fighting, somebody, it's just, they're separately yeah. smoking in the back. Like I'm trying to hide from my husband. Like, do you have a lighter? I'm like, well, nobody knows. It is yeah. so crazy. And I get the whole wanting to release. I do. I, I understand it. But I just, I want to really teach people that it, life, like you said at the beginning, doesn't have to be medicated to be fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about, like, when you're a kid. Like, I look at my daughter. She doesn't need alcohol. She has fun on her own. Yeah. I used to have fun on my own, like, when I was a kid. I didn't need that. I mean, at what point did it change to where that is how we have fun now? So let's try to go back to living like a kid, you know? I know. And the, well, it's funny. I was watching a show the other night and there was a bar scene and they were sitting at the bar smoking and drinking. And there was a time where I would see that and go, Oh God, I would if anything to just sit there and I haven't smoked a cigarette in over a year. Um, I was a daily smoker for a long time. And then I went to a social smoker and successfully did that. Um, I will always think a shot of whiskey and a pull off of a parliament are heavenly. It's just, I will always look at it in fondness and go, Oh, that first cigarette and shot of the day. Maybe. Um, I'm romanticizing it. I know if I could have stopped there, that would have been great. But, um, but I was looking at the scene going, that's so weird. Like just to go sit, let's just go sit in a room for hours and like just blow hot flames into our lungs and like just pour a bunch of poison down our throat. That sounds so awesome. That's so funny. You said that, um, on my way home, sometimes I go by this bar and people are sitting outside and I'm like, that's so <laughs> weird. What a weird concept. People just go there and sit for hours like, and drink this substance. <laughs> It is so funny. I mean, I get it, but it it's weird when you look at it like that, when you just pick it apart. Yeah, exactly. I could not imagine smoking a cigarette right now. I just couldn't. In the in the best scenario, I couldn't, like, and, and, and enjoying it. Like they say, once you go to an AA meeting, drinking's not as fun anymore, even if you go with a friend. <laughs> it's like... Did you ever do AA? I did, um, I did... Uh, what's the, my brain just completely went blank. What's the one for family? I could probably. Oh, Al-Anon? Yeah, Al-Anon. I did Al-Anon, um, many, many years ago when I was with a severe alcoholic and I did, it wasn't my thing. Um, yeah. I don't like anything organized where they do weird, like rituals. It's just kind of freaks me out. I don't know why that is, but I feel like there's power in numbers, but I also feel like you don't have to be weird about it. And I feel like all they did was just sit in there and moan about what their person in their life was doing to hurt them. And I was like, I feel like there was ever any talk of like, okay, what are you going to do about it? 
there was none of that. Right. And then AA, I did go with an ex on several occasions, um, just to support him and cause they weren't closed groups. So I was able to, you're able to bring somebody that's a loved one. Um, if they're not closed and again, didn't really like the ones that are local here in Asheville, but there was a few that I went to in Austin with him. And a lot of the meetings that I went to in Austin just have a different way of thinking. They're more, um, they're more based in, okay, what are you going to do about it? So it's more service oriented. They very mm -hmm. much push helping people. And they very yeah. much push the productivity about, okay, you're not drinking, but what are you going to do? Like, what are you doing in lieu of that? It's not just yeah. sitting there moaning about how shitty oh, the things you did last week were. Right. So I don't, I mean, I get it and I understand it and I love it, but I feel like they, it's very antiquated is my deal. It's just old yeah. school. And, you know, like it goes back to, I think sobriety is a very individual choice and it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yes, I agree. So my next question that I wanted to kind of end up with is maintaining this. I know you spoke about working out and all that stuff. Like what does a typical week look like for you in sobriety? Oh, um, so I wake up at about five in the morning. Well, I go to bed at eight o'clock at night, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I go to bed super early. I wake up at five. I leave my house at 5.30 to go to Pure Bar, which is at six. Um, I come home, get my daughter ready for school, bring her to school. Um, and then... I try to do my work. I try to do my blogs, write my blogs. Um, I try to make, I guess the difference now um, is that now I try to make a commitment to myself mm -hmm. and I try to really, really hold that commitment to myself and not, not let myself down. I mean, I'm real good at not letting other people down, but when it comes to me or when it came to me before, I would let myself down all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So time it's different. I really, I make a commitment to myself and I really try to stick with it. Yeah. I love that you brought that commitment part up because that's part of what I'm trying to impress on people on Insta stories because I post pretty much everything I do there. Um, I started doing it more when I started getting more followers because there's on a regular basis, there's probably around 500 people that watch my Insta stories. And so with that came a responsibility. I would say most of those people are real, real. There's probably a few bots in there just based on what I've researched. But once you have that audience, you're like, whoa, okay, no, people are like really watching me and you know, it makes it's big time accountability, but it, that's what I'm trying to impress upon people. It's not about appearance. It's not about looking hot or it's, it's more about making yourself proud of yourself. Exactly. How amazing that feels when you set a goal for yourself, no matter how small or how big and you follow through on that. That's like, and it has um, a domino effect in every other part of your life. So absolutely if you can teach that to somebody, get them to really see that just make one little change. It doesn't have to be super massive. Just make one little change. Like you want to drink a glass of water when you wake up every morning. And when you decide you want to 
commit to that and you follow through with it, your brain naturally starts forging a new path. Oh yeah. And then from there, I kind of like, um, look at it like a for like imagine a forest and you've got like these trails forge where you go every day where you walk and it's just like a clear path through the woods and then like retraining your brain to do something completely different. You now have to it's more work. So you've got a, there you are with your machete, like mowing down, tree limbs and pick, pulling weeds to make a new path but once you do you're exposed to a whole different side of the forest and it's okay. like phenomenal it's like fairy tale land yeah i mean if you can just make it through doing that work <laughs> you know and don't give up don't give up and, yeah. and to find something that you're excited about find something that you look forward to doing every day no matter what that is. For me, I get really turned on by the fact that something I post can be inspiring to some lonely woman or girl that's out there sad and miserable. If I can post something that makes her feel good, that inspires me. And so that's yeah. what gets me out of bed in the morning. And that being said, like what gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets you excited when you're laying there kind of going, should I stay in bed or should I jump up right now? What, what gets you up? Oh boy. So a few things get me up. Definitely my daughter. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, I mean, I do everything. I mean, everything's about her. Everything's about Ava. Um, also my work. I mean, it is such a privilege to be able to help women realize they can lead a fulfilling alcohol-free life. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to live in a way that um, it's not good for them mentally. I mean, to me, my mental health is one of the most important things to me. It is the most important thing to me, actually. Um, also, just my life. Now I look forward to waking up. Before, I mean, I would just like kind of dread the next day because I knew I was going to feel bad. I mean, now, I mean, I just love it. I love my life. Well, it's written all over your face. You can see it. And I'm sure people who know you, you know, can, I mean, you look, you're, you're glowing, obviously. By the way, for people who are listening, I can see her because we're on Zoom. Um, it's just so awesome. You can see it in your smile. You just look like you feel like a million bucks. Oh yeah. I mean, I made my sober life way better than my drinking life. Yeah. And that's the key. It's just yeah. making your, whatever change you're trying to make in your life, make it better than the old. Oh yeah. There's no fight. Right. Right. I love this so much. I'm so happy that I had you on. And is there any place that you want people to, find you, your social media, your web address for your blog? Oh yeah, so there's a couple places. Um, so cammyeems.com is where you will find my blog. Um, C-A-M-M-I-E-E-A-M-E-S.com. And also um, you can find me on Instagram and it is SoberNola, N-O-L-A, as in New Orleans, Louisiana. Gotcha. So check me out in both of those places. I love it. And I will put all this in the show notes. I have a group on Facebook called Harmony's War Cry Podcast Community. And I will put these in there um, with a little bit of a video explaining 
the podcast episode. Um, and just let everybody know that you're going to be on All right. and have them listen. Cause I know that there's a lot of, I would say mostly women listen to my podcast. So I know that they're going to benefit greatly from listening to us talk today and um, learn something on how to live a better life. I'm super excited about it. All righty. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was great having you. All right. Thank you so much, Harmony. Bye. Okay.